Father, I pray over every person here today that they have ears to hear, eyes to see what the Holy Spirit is saying. Lord, we thank you that you are for us. If God be for us, who can be against us? We thank you, Lord, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against us in judgment, we condemn because it is the heritage of the saints, of the righteous, to stand in authority and dominion over every circumstance, every situation. And we rejoice today that we are saved, healed, and delivered in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you can be seated and uh, let's look at Hebrews chapter 4. And we're going to start there. Everybody say, for the sake of the world. Turn to somebody and say, for heaven's sake. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, for the sake of the world, God has plans for us in 2013. Amen. And I know Pastor John will give a message for the church and what the church is going to do. But um, I'm going to give you this word because I believe it's critical to what God wants to do in your lives this year. And uh, I certainly don't have the vision of what God's going to do this year. That's our son's you know, uh, decision and what God shows him and we'll get in agreement and go that direction. But I, I do know that God has told me that the year of 2013 will be a year of great discernment. Everybody say discernment. Now, discernment isn't suspicion. It isn't uh, what we think or our opinions. Discernment comes from the heart of God. Uh, in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians 12, and I won't teach on this today, but it talks about the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit and that they're available to all believers. And one of those gifts is discerning of spirits. And what it is, is actually discerning of the motives of people's hearts or discerning evil and good, discerning spirits, you know, of evil things that are out there that are trying to woo people away from the things of God or just hold captive those who don't know God. And so discernment is critical to every believer. And uh, in a conference that Pastor John was in, just uh, I think back in September, he told me uh, when he came home, he said, Mom, you know, um, the man that was the head of this, Dr. Mark Rutland, said that if he could say anything that was the number one important thing for us as pastors, it would be to operate in discernment. Now, he's a man that has uh, a university, Oral Roberts University, right now. He's the head of, he's, he's moving out of that position, but he's a man that's very seasoned in ministry and has been a pastor. I would say, and I think my husband would say, discernment is a key to being able to know what God is doing and be, be able to know the difference, which is sometimes so close to truth and a lie. They're, they're so mixed together that you can't tell anymore which is which. How many of you would agree in our world we're kind of living there right now? Uh, We've been seduced. I don't believe the church necessarily, although God said to me it's in the church. But for sure, the world has been seduced to make everything seem okay. As long as it's okay for me, it's okay that, that I do what I do because it's really just about me. And that is the downfall and has been the downfall of nations throughout history. And so we're not going there as a church. Amen? We're not going there as a body of Christ. And, and not just this church, but any church. Uh, God has not put us in that position. He has put us in a position of authority and dominion. And so today I want to talk to you about how to stay that way in 2013 in that position that God's going to put you in. And you may be here to say and say, I really don't think God would put me anywhere. Well, he already has. Wherever you are today, that's where God has put you. And you have authority and dominion in that place. So let's look at first or at Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living, everybody say living, and powerful, 
and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. That just means your soul realm, which is your will, your intellect, uh, their senses, all those things are in the soulish realm, and the spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner. Everybody say discerner. Of thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Father, I thank you that you help me speak this word today that will bring liberty, will bring freedom, will bring uh, understanding and knowledge, and it will uh, have the power and the anointing to be effective in the life of every person here. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. The word I received from the Lord, and I shared this on a Wednesday night in part. I haven't, and I certainly am not going to share everything today either in the time that we have, but this is the part I want to focus on today. The year of great discernment, if heart motives are wrong, if heart motives are wrong, discernment is blocked. And so uh, then God began to speak to me about the deception that I see in the world. And he said the way that deception gets a hold, once people are deceived, you know they're in bondage. They no longer can know truth. And, and so truth can be a lie, but they won't know it's a lie. Only the word of God can reveal truth because the word of God is truth. And the truth will make us free. And so uh, I felt like God said to me, this is a year where we must certainly be in the word of God and be hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit and focus on what God is saying and not what the world is saying or doing. And so we're going to need discernment to a greater degree than we ever have. Why? Because the world has become so deceived that they do not discern that even anything is wrong. Many people just think that everything's okay and they're going through their life. Everybody say that it's not okay. In the world, things are not okay, but we have been delivered from darkness into his marvelous light. But in that arena, we have to operate by his tools, and his tool, one of them, is discernment. And so I say this today. I'm going to show you a few examples. But my husband, um, last year, the day before Thanksgiving, ended up in the hospital. And uh, long story short, he had to have six stents because there were blockages in his heart. Now, he had blood flowing. But it just couldn't go anywhere because it was blocked. And, and what God began to show me about wrong motives, they block discernment. We have discernment because the Holy Spirit is in us. And it says that one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit can operate in us at any time, which is discernment. So it's flowing just like love is in us, but it doesn't always flow. It, it's there, but we have to not allow anything to block that discernment because then following discernment, being blocked comes the ability for the enemy to deceive and once deceived we're in bondage and then we cannot know the right thing it's impossible because we've been our eyes have been blinded to truth and that's why the world is in such bondage because they haven't had their eyes opened to who jesus is which puts them in that arena of light which gives them the ability to discern right from wrong how many of you when you were unsaved you know case the raw the raw The problem is now, I believe, even in the church, it's become a seducing spirit to the point where we want everybody to be happy, and we want everybody to be okay, and we want everybody to to come to church, but we still have to preach truth, and we still have to be discerning, or we have no authority and no dominion to get people free. And God spoke to me and said, there are thousands upon thousands coming into the church 
They are headed for the church. Isn't that exciting? Don't get too excited. I mean, it's really exciting because this is the revival that I've seen for years. They are coming. They are marching with intensity toward the church. And I thought, well, you know, I heard Brother Summerall say years ago in a, in a meeting I was in, he was um, a man up in South Bend, a, a prophetic man, and he said, I saw an open vision of people marching, and they were in mass, and they were marching with such force that they, they pushed each other forward. There was no way to back up because of the masses of people. And they were falling off a cliff into hell. And it caused him to just move with great intensity for people to be saved. I mean, it was a vision. God, he saw it. And so I thought of that vision, and God immediately dropped in my heart, not this time, not this time. The world is falling off the cliff, but we are not going off a cliff. The church is going to rise up in the midst of this. Uh, it's Isaiah 60. They're going to rise up and they're going to shine. And there will be gross darkness. That's what's going to march into the church. But the light will dispel the darkness. Amen? Oh, I can see you're not quite as excited as me. But you're going to get there. Hallelujah. But uh, God is moving. Now, will there be all these opportunities? Yes, there will be opportunities. But when we are in position... When our motives are pure before God, we have authority, we have dominion, and we have discernment to know how to get people free. I cannot tell you how many times I've counseled people, and they come and they tell me the story, and it goes on and on, and then there's another rabbit trail, another rabbit trail, and finally the Holy Spirit will say to me, just say this, and I say it, and they fall apart right in front of me. Why? Because the anointing of God God knows exactly where the problem is. Everybody say discernment. There's other gifts of the Holy Spirit, revelation gifts and things. But I'm telling you, this is the hour when we get to be who God called us to be. Now, I'm done cheerleading. Here we go. Hebrews 5, 14 says, But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised. Turn to your neighbor and say, exercise your senses. To discern both good and evil. And, uh, and, and they're going to run so close together. I'm going to quickly just share a couple of stories with you. You know, uh, many of you know the story of Saul. He was appointed king. Uh, God appointed him king. Uh, the people actually had wrong motives of heart when they demanded a king. They just wanted a king because everybody else had a king. And uh, everybody say wrong motive. But God said to Samuel, listen, don't take it personal. You're the prophet. They don't want you. They don't want me, but, but uh, we'll give him a king. And so he gave him Saul. Now, Saul, you know, in the beginning, it looked like he was going to be a wonderful king. But then his heart, everybody say his heart. His heart, he got a wrong motive. And I want to give you the first wrong motive I want to talk about today is people-pleasing. Everybody say people-pleasing. Now, you may not be a victim of this. You may never have had this happen. But in, in uh, 1 Samuel 13, 11, uh, Saul... Uh, had all these people, and they're all looking at him for do, to do something. And, uh, and he had been told by Samuel, don't make the sacrifice till I come. And only the priest was allowed to make sacrifices for people's sin. The king had no authority to do that. But Saul, because he wanted to please the people, if you could pull that one up, it's not on your notes. It's um, 1 Samuel 13, 11. He had no authority. Everybody say no authority. To, to take the... To, to perform a, a sacrifice, to do any of that. But he did it because of the people. And it says, Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, well, when I saw that the people, everybody say people pleasing, 
were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed. It goes on with the story that he went ahead and performed the sacrifice. And everybody say that was a wrong motive. And that wrong motive, it says in the word of God, as you read on about Saul, cost him his kingship. That one wrong motive. Now, he also did another thing. He, uh, he was sent into battle, promised that he would win the battle, went into battle, and was told, destroy everything. But because of a wrong motive in his heart, he kept the king, and he kept the good loot. That Everybody say, greed. That was a wrong motive. And when he did that, I, I think that was, it just sealed it. And God totally removed the anointing off his life, but left him king. I want to tell you, there's nothing worse than being an authority and not having the anointing. There is nothing worse than saying, I'm a Christian and having no power to do anything that God called you to do. That is so destructive. But that's where he was. But then came David. Now, David, you know, he ended up in a position of being an anointed king, but not the king. So he was put in a position where his motives had to stay pure because He couldn't be the king because Saul was still in the office of king. He had not died. He was not dead. And so David knew he was the anointed king, but he didn't have a wrong motive. And even with two opportunities to take Saul out, there were two opportunities where he could have destroyed Saul and moved into his position because he was anointed. God had anointed him, but he didn't do it. In fact, he was so repentant that he told Saul, I'm sorry, I should never have cut the robe of your garment because you're the king. Everybody say right motive. He operated in right motives. And do you know when he became the king, and, and it, this is too hard to maybe describe all of this to you because covenant takes a long time to teach. But up to this time, there was a king, there was government, and there was spiritual authority, prophet. And until that time, the prophet did not hold the office of the king, and the king did not hold the office of the prophet, and they both had jobs. And in those jobs, they were anointed as king and prophet, but you did not cross them over. David had pure motives all that time that he walked with Saul. And Saul was not the anointed king, but he was still in the position. He honored him so much that when he became king, he also became priest. And it was the first time ever in the word of God, that the king and the priest were the same office. That is, that is authority. That is total authority. Do you know who you are? Revelation says you are kings and priests. You have authority. You have authority. And God showed me when our motives are right, we operate in that authority. We are able to take dominion in any situation that we face or people are facing that are around us. But we have to have our heart right. It's not about greed. It's not about lust. David ended up, he made one gigantic mistake. And most of you know that mistake. It's talked about a lot. It was with Bathsheba. He, he became king. He walked with authority. He walked with dominion. And then one day he saw this woman on a roof, naked, taking a bath. Now, for my own understanding, I've always said, God, what was she even doing there? I mean, why was she on a roof naked? You know, I mean, that's a temptation. However, he was the king and the priest. And his motives, everybody say motives, had to stay pure for him to have authority and dominion. And in that moment, he gave way to lust. And when he did, everybody say lust. 
is a wrong motive. And when that happened, he lost. He lost his son, his first son. But the difference between him and and Saul was that he repented. You can read it in uh, 1 Samuel. You can read, I think it's in chapter 18. Or uh, you can read about, it's, I'm sorry, it's um, 2 Samuel 11, 27. It'll tell you the story. He repented. And when he repented, God restored him. And then he had a son. And his name was Solomon. And God loved Solomon. He was in that lineage of David. And he became the king. Now, I want to I share you a, a story with, with him. Everybody say a good motive. A good motive. You know, I've read this many, many times. It's in 1 Kings 3. Uh, and if you want to turn there, you can look at it with me. But um, when, when he became king, when, when Saul, or I mean, when David um, was going to be not the king anymore, he was dying. And so his son Solomon would become king. He prayed uh, that God would help him. He had a vision in the night. It says in, in this chapter 3 of 1 Kings. And it says, the Lord came to him and said, what shall I give you? Everybody say, we're talking about motives. Motives of the heart. His motive was this. Solomon said, you've shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you've given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father, David. But I'm a little child, and I don't know what, how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you've chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. You know, that's, that's those thousands upon thousands that are coming to the church. They're coming, and we're going to have to know how to take care of them for the sake of the world. We're going we're, we're to have to know. And it says, therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern. Everybody say discern. Discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours. And the speech pleased the Lord at Solomon to ask this thing. Everybody say a pure heart. And, and God acknowledges his pure heart. He says, you, didn't, you did not ask these things of riches or things for yourself. You did, you did not ask for long life or, or the life of your enemies. In other words, he's saying your motives of your heart are pure. I see your heart. And because that's your heart, I will give you wisdom. I will give you this understanding heart that you need to rule. I will give you the ability to rule. I will give you a discerning heart. I will give you the ability to know good from evil. And uh, as I looked at that, uh, I felt to, I just felt to read on to this next story, uh, and, and some of you may know this story, but it to me was just a story of the fruit of having a pure motive and a pure heart that God will give us for these last days that we're in to be able to judge righteously, to be able to have a knowledge that we would not have any other way except that we discern it from the Spirit of God. And it's a story in verse uh, 16 that says, two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. <clears throat> obviously they didn't have a real good profession. And one woman said, Oh Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house and I gave birth while she was in the house. Then it happened the third day after I'd given birth that this woman also gave birth and we were together and no one was with us in the house except the two of us. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. So she arose in the middle of the night, took my son from my side while your maidservant slept and laid him in her bosom and laid her dead child in mine. 
Everybody say, wrong motives. Wrong motives. And so she wrote, <clears throat> and when I rose, excuse me, in the morning to nurse my son there, there he was dead. But when I examined him in the morning, indeed, he was not my son. And the other woman said, no, but the living one is my son, and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, no, the dead one is your son, and the living one is my son. How many of you know this would be a traumatic situation? And one of these women has wrong motives. And you will see that the, the, the mother, the real mother, has the right motive. And I believe Solomon was given discernment. How would you know who was lying? There was nobody else in the house. So Solomon's wisdom, everybody say wisdom. See, when you have discernment, you know, God said to me not very long ago, if you'll write, ask the right questions, you'll get the right answers. Stop giving the answers and stop, start answering, asking the right questions. Say, God is so smart. Don't you think that? I mean, that's smart. I never thought of that. I'm too busy trying to give the answers all the time to the problems and saying, you know, I had a friend once. This is a little side note. Don't let me forget where I'm at, God. And, and so she had twins. And you know how many two-year-olds, can, they, they talk constantly, incessantly. In three, it's worse. At three, they, get, they talk more. And she said those twins were driving her crazy. They talk all the time, asking her questions. And the Lord said to her, don't answer their questions. Start asking them what they think. It ended all of that. And she had total peace. Well, you know, when we ask the right questions, then we hear right answers from people. We hear their motives. And Solomon was given the ability to discern good from evil. So he's in this situation, got two women fighting over a living baby and a dead baby. It's, it, his, his justice is amazing because he goes on and it says, the king said, the one says, this is my son who lives, and your son is dead. The other says, no, your son is dead, and my son is living. Then the king said, bring me a sword. And they brought the sword before the king. Everybody say, the man with right motives. And I'm sure he knew. God showed him, you'll find out the motive here, and you'll find out who's, who's really the right one. He said, divide the living child in two, give half to one and half to the other. The woman whose son was living spoke to the king. She yearned with compassion for her son. And she said, everybody say right motive. Oh, my Lord, give her the living child. Give it to her. And by no means kill him. But the other one, everybody say wrong motive. Let him be neither mine nor yours. Wrong motives always think about self. Even above the child self he's not going to be yours and he's not going to be mine go ahead the king answered and said give the first woman the living child why and by no means kill him she is the mother why did he do that because her pure motive at that point her motive don't you imagine she was wanting that child more than anything i can tell you i was with vicky yesterday morning and all she could say was I want to hold my baby. I want to hold my baby. Can you imagine having to face two women who are arguing over a child? Be very difficult. But Solomon asked in the beginning, I'm going to have to be able to do this job, and I don't know what to do. I believe that's coming. God, God spoke to my heart, when these people come, they're going to be a rough crowd. <laughs> Because they have no understanding of what you're talking about. But you're going to have the wisdom to speak. If you have a wrong motive, 
You get angry with people. You get angry at their behavior. If your motive is to get everybody to be like you, how many of you know people who, who they, they say, I just want to pray for you and help you? God, let them see the truth. Let them know what I see. Let them hear what I hear. Let them be what I need them to be. Everybody say wrong motive. When these people come, they're going to be hurting people for the sake of the world. I have to lay down my life. I have to lay down those motives that are going to stop me from being the person that God needs me to be for those people. Uh, God has used Esther in my life, used it when I, when I took the position a few years back to be the senior pastor for a season. And I told the Lord, well, I, you know, I could die because I'm 60. I could die. Do you know how old I am? And he said, what makes you think you won't die if you don't do it? Well, that was a new thought. I hadn't had that one yet. And right away, I thought of Esther, who said, you know, if I go before the king, I might die. Because you have to have the scepter extended. And if he doesn't extend that, step, extend that scepter, then, you know, I, I could perish. But in the end, she said, if I perish, I perish. Everybody say right motive. I believe we're at that point. I believe we're, I believe we're living in Second Timothy. And I believe we're real close to chapter 3. I, I believe this because my husband and I don't talk a lot about some things. But I said to him something. And I said um, something about Second Timothy. The same thing God told me, he told him. And God said to me, you're living in Second Timothy now. Read it. And told him, you're not to chapter 3 yet. But we're moving there. For the sake of the world. There's a mighty revival that has to happen. Maybe it needs to start in your house. You know, wrong motives in a house, you know, can cause a house to fall. Wrong motives in the church can cause the church to fall. This is the hour. This is the hour. And uh, God so loved the world. He said, look at my motive. I so love the world that I gave my only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And he went on to say, And I didn't send him to condemn the world. Everybody say, he had the right motive. God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world. He sent him to save the world. He still wants to save the world. Through us, through what we believe. I believe every one of you are going to be used mightily this year. But I believe we have an opportunity today for this. And this is what I felt to pray. That we would examine our hearts. David, in, in Psalm 51... He said, Lord, create in me a clean heart. You know, we we all have opportunities. I mean, God, I'm speaking this message because I already had to live it. God started speaking to me a couple months ago, and he showed me some things in my heart. Uh, I want to give you this last one. This is is, uh, one that I would deal with because of rejection. Everybody say rejection. And uh, I think a lot of people do things because of rejection. They're they're afraid they're going to be rejected, so they, they stay in places that they shouldn't be. And Joyce Meyer had written this in uh, this Confident Woman book. It says, uh, there is only one thing that will set us free, and that is truth. Yet there is one thing we have a hard time dealing with, <laughs> truth. It is difficult for me to face the fact, it was difficult for me to face the fact that I was insecure. Insecurity causes the, the spirit of rejection to constantly badger us. And it says, I didn't like myself, and I needed God's help and healing in my life. If I had refused to face the truth, I would still be in bondage. I would still be trying to please people, addicted to approval, in order to keep a position 
that I probably would not even like. You know what that's from? I don't want to be left out. I want to tell you, I don't want to be left out of what God's doing more than I want to be left out of what this world's doing. Amen. Let's stand today. Father, I thank you for every person here. I believe we're here today by divine appointment. I thank you, Lord, that you speak to our hearts. You speak to the hearts of the people here today. Uh, I believe that your word is powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And I believe it can move right now in this place to divide between spirit and soul, uh, joints and marrow. Father, I thank you today for every person that's standing here that you have given a directive in this church. You have shown things that you're going to do. And today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are going to move. For the sake of the people in this room, for the sake of the call that you have placed on their life, you may be here today and say, I don't have any call. Yes, you do, because you belong to God. You have an assignment. He has something for you to do. Number one, the first thing is to receive Jesus. Without Jesus, you cannot even know the call. You may be here today and you say, well, I've never really, I know know who Jesus is, but I've never really given him my heart. I've never really given him control. I've never said, be the Lord of my life. Save me, deliver me, heal me. I want to make sure today before we pray for everyone here about motives, that you have that opportunity today so that you can hear what God's saying. So that you'll know what the Spirit of God is saying. And if that's you today and you're here and you haven't received Jesus. But today you want to make this the day that you begin this new year, 2013. On the right page. On the page that God has already written for your life. If that's you and you, and you know you're not there right now. Maybe you were there but you walked away. I want to pray for you today. Right now. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? I want to pray for you. Because I believe God has new things. I see your hand. I see your hand. I believe God has things for people in this room today. That Jesus will unlock the door to those things that you want to do. And there have been people who've told you, well, you know, you really, you, you really cannot ever go uh, forward because of your past. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Because God makes all things new. Okay. Now, Father, you hear our prayer and you love us. I want to share this last word with you, Pastor John. When I shared on Wednesday night just a couple of weeks ago about discernment, I didn't share all of this. I just talked a little bit about discernment, about this year being about that. And uh, Pastor John came up to me and said, Mom, he said, you don't know this, but uh, the book that I got for the staff for this year that I felt we were to read was uh, number one, Who Moved My Cheese? But the other one was on discernment. It was on discernment, right people, right place, right time. See, God's, God doesn't just do that by accident. He had and I hadn't talked about it. But then he said, I'm going to teach for four Wednesday nights on discernment. I encourage all of you to be here on Wednesday nights in January. We're going to fast for a few days, 7th through the 19th. You know, Esther called to fast, called to fast to bring about what God was getting ready to do encourage all of you if you can't be here then get online hear the message or get the cd god is speaking to our church amen and we get to be a part of it hallelujah say 2013 it's going to be a great year <laughs> hallelujah. we hope this message encouraged you 
Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.